My friends, with your permission, I want to congratulate you for uh, hanging in there. This is this service demands more of an attention span than uh, we normally accord to very much in our life. <clears throat> I'd like to share with you a word that I think will be useful to all of us and which I wish I could share with all of America at this time. The Jonah cure for political polarization. And I'm asking, is this a lesson for America at such a time as this? So let us begin. The prophet and the pagans. Interesting story, as I told you before, fascinating story. It deals with one prophet of the true and living God and a bunch of pagans. Jonah is God's prophet. But surprisingly, in this story, when God calls him to go to Nineveh, that great city, and tell them that yet in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed, Jonah gets on a ship going in exactly the opposite direction, going to the farthest known place away from that section of the world. So we have God's prophet fleeing from God. In this story, we have pagan sailors who do everything right. The pagans. They realize that this calamity has probably got some kind of a, of a, of a divine origin. They call out to their gods to be delivered from this storm. They go and they, they wake up Jonah and say, call out to your God. Maybe your God has something to do with this. These are polytheists, of course. And then they, since Jonah's told them a little about themselves, about himself, they realize it's Jonah's God who is... Uh, who, who has brought this calamity upon them, and say to Jonah, what should we do? And he says, well, if you throw me in the water, God will make the water, uh, he'll take away the storm. They don't want to do that. In the story, they throw all of their, all of their, their, their baggage, all of their, their rigging overboard. They, they don't want to throw Jonah overboard. Finally, they do. And they ask Jonah's God to forgive them for doing that. These pagans have moral conscience and they're doing everything right. Jonah repents, but it's coerced. Jonah repents because God brings up a storm and has him swallowed by a great fish. Opinions differ as to whether Jonah died in the fish. He may have. It's likely he did. You want to talk about coerced repentance. There it is. Then he goes to Nineveh. We're going to learn a little more about Nineveh right now. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And when you learn about Assyria, you're going to be as amazed. Well, Jonah was not amazed that Nineveh repented. Jonah's problem was he knew that if God, if they did repent, God would forgive them. And Jonah did not want them forgiven. And you're going to see why. Jonah wanted nothing to do 
with the will of God when it came to the people of Nineveh. But they repent uh, immediately. Even the king comes off his throne and repents in sackcloth and ashes. Meanwhile, Jonah sulks. He goes outside the city, sitting under a, a, a castor bean plant that God prepares. Then God prepares a worm to destroy the plant. And Jonah says, I wish I was dead. It's really kind of a funny story. He's, uh, he's sulking like a, a, uh, an early adolescent. And God's last word in the book is his mercy for the pagans. It says, shouldn't I have had mercy on Nineveh, that great city of 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left and much cattle? Wow. What a contrast. I want you to look at the slide and think of the contrast between Jonah and the pagans and the contrast between Jonah and us, uh, rather, between Jonah and God. Look at the contrast between Jonah and God, between Jonah and the pagans, and maybe the contrast between us and God. Maybe we're more like Jonah than we're like God. I don't know. Let's learn a little bit. This is about the Assyrians, of which Nineveh was the capital. Many years ago, I was in the British Museum in London, and they have wall, they have um, frescoes there from the palace of Ashurbanipal, I believe. It may have been Sennacherib, one of the two Assyrian kings. And it chronicles how the king lived and how he did war. Let's learn a little about that. Who does this remind us of? Assyrian soldiers in battle were rewarded for every severed head they brought in from the battlefield. So they beheaded everybody. And scribes stood by to count the numbers killed by each soldier. Captured nobles often thrown from high towers. Meanwhile, depictions in the commemorative reliefs found at Nineveh of the Assyrians, that's what we see in the British Museum, laying siege to the city of Lachish in Judah show several local dignitaries impaled on stakes while still alive. The stakes go into their anus and come out their mouth. Picture that. And that's not all. I could tell you more. Equally, equally horrifying. So who are the Assyrians like in our day? Uh, and you're a smart people. And you'll realize that this is like ISIS. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's the same neck of the, of the world. Assyria was the ISIS of the ancient world. And they were unspeakably cruel. And Jonah didn't want them forgiven. And he knew that God was so sloppy with his forgiveness that he might forgive these people. 
and Jonah wanted no part of it. This is now for David, uh, for rather for Elijah and Fatalia, two of our young people here. You're not old enough to remember what your father and I remember, although I'm older than your father. When I was a kid, I don't know whether it's true for David, when I was a kid, you still had Westerns on television, a lot of Westerns. I even remember listening in my aunt's dressmaker shop to radio with her, something called the B Bar B Ranch. Radio, radio was like a television with a broken screen, if you don't know what radio is. At any rate, in Westerns, you had white hats and black hats. Generally, the good guy had a white hat and all the bad guys wore black hats. Some of us still live in a white hat, black hat, white hat, black hat world. There are certain people we identify as the good guys. They're the white hats. There are other people we identify as the bad guys. They wear black hats. We usually consider ourselves to be white hats. They are the black hats. And like Jonah and the Ninevites, we don't want anything to do with them. What was Jonah's message for America? First of all, beware of black hat, white hat, uh, black hat, white hat politics. I want to suggest that we forsake and abandon a good guys, bad guys mentality. Sometimes the other guy is righteous and you are not. If you don't like what I just said, you've got a problem with the book of Jonah because that's one of the essential messages of the book of Jonah. And not just there, I'm going to show you another place in the Bible that will blow your mind. And I could show you more, but we're not going to take that time. But sometimes that person you categorize as the other guy, as the people with the black hats, as the people you cannot stand, Sometimes they are righteous and you are not. Again, I don't expect you to like that. Jonah didn't like it. But the book of Jonah says that's the way it is. God speaks through unexpected means. We're going to see that in a moment. Sometimes God speaks through the mouth of your enemy. Sometimes God speaks through the mouth of pagans. Remember Balaam and the donkey? What a story. Balaam is on the way to Moab to curse Israel for the king of Moab. That is, but he says, I can only do what God puts in my mouth. On the way there, Balaam's donkey traps his leg against the wall of a vineyard. Balaam is beating on the donkey, and the donkey talks. And it says, what are you beating me for? I mean, aren't your donkey who's taking good care of you all these years? What's the meaning of that? The meaning of that, in part, is that God can speak through the most unusual of means. He speaks through the mouth of a donkey. He's about to speak blessing on Israel through the mouth of a pagan prophet. 
So as we go out into American life after this Yom Kippur, I'm challenging you, Jonah is challenging you, to look, to listen, and to learn, and to recognize that sometimes God speaks through unexpected, despised means. Here's a story from 2 Chronicles 35. This one blows my mind. Assyria was a big-time enemy of Judah, as you can imagine, and of Israel. They took The northern kingdom was taken over to captivity by Assyria in 721 BC. What a terrible thing that was. The other, another enemy at that time was Egypt. We read here, towards the end of Judah's time, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Josiah was one of the last kings and one of the greatest kings of Israel. He was just great. And in the book of Second Chronicles in chapter 35, after talking about a glorious Passover that he organizes for the whole nation, and it just speaks glowingly of what he did. And he, was, he also destroyed all these idols and everything. Then we read this. Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates. And Josiah went out to meet him in war. But Necho sent envoys to him saying, what have we to do with each other, king of Judah? I'm not coming against you this day, but against the house with which I'm at war. And God has commanded me to hurry. See, supposing God, who is with me, lest he destroy you. Now, you'll have to take my word for it. From my ramblings around Facebook, I guarantee you most of the people I know would say, God would never speak to righteous Josiah through the mouth of filthy, dirty Pharaoh Necho of Egypt. And Necho was lying through his teeth that God has commanded him to hurry. And Necho says to Josiah, righteous Josiah, see supposing God who is with me, lest he destroy you. Well, Josiah thinks that's a load of bunk, like most of us would. So Josiah did not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to fight with him. He's so determined to come against this guy that so he doesn't get recognized, and so the guy doesn't prevent him from coming against him, he wears a disguise. How does that turn out? The scripture says he did not listen to the words of Necho from the mouth of God. That's what our scriptures say. The Necho, the pagan, was speaking to righteous Josiah from the mouth of God. Instead of listening, he came to fight in the plain of Megiddo. And the archers shot King Josiah. And the king, Josiah, said to his servants, take me away for I'm badly wounded. So his servants took him out of his chariot and carried him in the second chariot, brought him to Jerusalem, and he died. He was buried in the tombs of his fathers. So, I'm telling myself, I'm telling you, the Tanakh is telling us 
The book of Jonah tells us, but not only the book of Jonah, but sometimes we've got to listen to truth being embodied and coming from the most unlikely of sources. Those people that we write off as having black hats. So beware of white hat politics. Beware of having a good guys, bad guys mentality. We need to learn to listen to other Americans. Especially, we need to learn to listen to the ones we've written off. Sometimes the other guy is righteous, you are not. God speaks through unexpected means. Look, listen, and learn. Let's not be more polarized than God. This is my word for you today. May it be to you the word of God. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're coming to the end of our service.